Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Hey, yo. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup. Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Hello, Chico. Yeah, guys. Um, those of you who care, and honestly, I think this is a big enough one. You'll probably see it on some random sports websites, a couple news sites, too. Uh, former WWF wrestler uh, at the time. Uh, Scott Hall, former uh, Razor Ramon, also wrestled in WCW, uh, just passed away. I don't have the exact age, but obviously um, at a young age, um, he was having hip surgery and he had three heart attacks and passed away. And um, I'll talk about, uh, maybe I'll talk, mention a little bit more in the stuff we like, but just really one of the most important wrestlers of all time from a business point of view, kind of the reason uh, the financial system changed so greatly in the late 90s and all the wrestlers got paid so much was because of scott hall and some of his actions but rest 63 63 scott hall. yeah but uh rest in peace to his family condolences rest in peace to scott sorry rest in uh condolences to his family and uh yeah goodbye to the legend um all right boys and girls um we're gonna talk about uh this fight card that happened this past saturday where mike and i blew a parlay in three minutes and about, what, three minutes and 17 seconds, it looks like. Whenever Terrence... Three minutes, seven seventeen is when Sarah McKinney went down. Um, some good stuff came out of it. Uh, seemed like everybody had a good time until the main event where nobody had a good time. And then uh, Ankalov didn't really read the room and ask for a title shot, which was kind of funny, I think, for a lot of people. Um, I uh, go through some of the MMA news of the past week. Um, if there really was anything notable besides the champ. Tearing that, uh, getting that knee surgery. Um, and we'll make our picks for this card that is currently headlined by, uh, Volkov and Aspinall. I say currently because Volkov's got visa issues. But let's get right into it. Uh, Marcus, uh, we spent a lot of last week mm-hmm. talking about Magomed Ankalov just fucking up Tiago Santos's world this coming Saturday. Uh, with a lot of hype behind him. Came into this fight on a bit of a hot streak. Um, I've now lost his record, so I don't know how many in a row. Way to go, Wikipedia. Oh, oh yeah, I don't know the row. He's, he's 17 and one. So Yeah, so, but Remember it's on fire. Part of the real uh, Dagestani, uh, Dagestani 2.0 surge we're getting going on here. The first were be, world, uh, wave being Khabib and, uh, well, a bunch of guys who didn't pan out. Um, Marcus, real snooze fest. Yeah, it was unfortunate um, having watched the, the whole main card this time. The fights leading up to it were exciting. So um, you were kind of anticipating, you know, having a competitive match or at least compelling to some extent. Uh, but it wasn't. And, and we've seen this time before, you know, when we do get these main events where there are five rounds. So the guys have to kind of pace themselves and where, you know, there's potentially a lot on the line. You know, you're, you're fighting, you know, number. I think Tiago was like one or two. He was fairly high ranked. And I think, um and Klinov was like in the top five or something. So, uh, yeah, it ultimately just panned out to be five or a six. Very, 
Tiago being five. five. Six. Yeah, okay. Ankalov was um, Yeah, it, it was uneventful. Uh, you know, I think um, Ankalov had some success early uh, throwing hands in the exchange, and that kind of made Santos very tentative to be aggressive, which I think he needed to be to really, you know, take this fight. Um, he was way too gung-shy, didn't, you know, didn't lead the dance a lot, was not finding Ankalov in the counters. So it ended up being a lot of a staring contest, you know, and maybe some one-off shots here and there, but ultimately not a lot to write home about. Um, I'm not surprised he didn't ask for a title. That's not a, a worthy performance of someone who... No, he did ask for a shot, title. But, oh, he did. Oh, okay. So, he, yeah, so that... That's the why way everybody... I interpret it was correct. That like, yeah, that's not really. This is not a performance to get your fan base excited. I mean, I get no, it. This it, guy it's... probably like had it in his head. He's like, hey man, I'm number six, and so I beat number five. It's yeah, time yeah, to fucking. It's, it's time to start he's, talking. He's you know? seventeen and one. Yeah, I'm There's on the main event. That you make. I gotta say yeah, some shit. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. After after that performance, though, it wasn't really something that I think a lot of people were were you know clamoring for. Uh, but he got to win, you know, and, and at the end of the day, like we, t- we talk about so often in a year or so from now, are we really going to remember, you know, how boring this fight was? Maybe. But obviously, it'll just end up being another, you know, string of victories for him. So, you know, he got the job done. Probably didn't garner a lot of new fans. But, you know, as long as you get the wins coming, you know, title shots not going to be too far off. So, yeah, that's what that fight was, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Tiago really hasn't recovered well from that. uh so it's coming back from, well, tearing everything in his knee against John Jones a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I guess, I mean, I, he, we, he didn't get washed out, I guess, entirely. He won a couple of rounds on one scorecard, one on another. But got to see better from both of them, quite frankly. Um, Song Yadong in the co-main event. He just, he killed Marlon Moraes. Um Mike. With Marlon, it seemed like I mean there was a stretch there where he was knocking everybody out. He won four straight to get to that title fight. He knocked out the current champion on that stretch. Um, he was beating people very quickly. Seems like people have kind of first. It seemed like people had figured out with Marlon. You know, just kind of ride out the first three four minutes, and then his wild fighting style it seems has caught up with him chin wise. Um, yeah. You- you know, it, it definitely has. And I think one thing for sure is when it comes to heavyweights, we always joke about how 30 is really the new 20 when it comes to heavyweights. You you hit your athletic prime as a heavyweight when you get into your mid-30s, whereas with these lighter weight classes, man, if you, are a, if you just stand and bang like that, you're going to get old very fucking quick because, you know, you lose even half a step at, you know, bantamweight or featherweight. You know, you're you're an old man against, you know, the real real young pups in that division. And, you know, we've seen this a few times before with uh with with, with bantamweights. Um, I think most notably with uh Hen and Burrell. This reminds me a lot of uh Hen and Burrell's uh peak and then the the massive value that he was not ever able to get out of. And I think Maurice's time has just passed for him. Yeah, it's just, you know, you gotta make adjustments to your fighting style. And for him, I think if he's still going to fight, it's probably not going to be in the UFC. I think 1FC is calling Eagle. I mean, I think he's managed by um, scumbag Abdulaziz, um, which means I think maybe he could get a he can get a gig at Eagle FC. Uh, Abdulaziz also being Khabib's manager. But yeah, I think his time in the big dance is gone. 
Um, I what, Marcus Song Yadong called out Dominic Cruz. Song Yadong okay. of Team Alpha of Team Alpha Male. Mm-hmm. Song Yadong of Lightning Fist hand hand speed right these days. Twenty four years old Song Yadong called out Dominic Cruz. Do we just assume this is Uriah Faber telling him you call out that fucking former champion? Like we put we we put we end Dominic Cruz once and for all with Team Alpha Male. Well, like, I mean, maybe I'm sure Dominic is like whatever. I've been beating this gym for like the last decade. They can't produce anyone. That he hasn't. Actually beat he you. hasn't beaten. I mean, he couldn't beat Cody. That was the one to finally crack him. Remember? Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. And he that's hasn't. True. That's I mean, point. he has to get his. He has, I don't know. I mean, Dominic at this point. Uh, I mean, yeah. first, I, I did want to say about Marlon. Um, I, you guys are right, but one thing I will give this dude credit for: bantamweight, he finishes fights, whether he's getting oh, finished yeah. or not, and that's not something you see very often in that weight class. So yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree. That, very you know, exciting fighter. His, very. Yeah, his time in the UFC might not be long, but more importantly, like the dude puts on good fights. So I, I think I think it's right to think that. If he can't correct ship, and I don't know after four losses, he's going to get another shot necessarily. Um, but he will need to win to stay in the promotion. But I think outside of the promotion, there will be lots of people clamoring to have someone of his caliber and of you know the the exciting fights he puts on. That still being said, Song Ladong had a great fight himself. You know, this guy can bang. He sits in the pocket. He throws heavy punches. Um, what's not to like? In fact, with Dominic, that's a huge win for him. And Marlon's a huge win. You know, so I think his last couple of fights have kind of put him on the map. Um, and you know, I don't know. Him and Dominic make just makes as much sense as anything else. If they want to play that, you know, rivalry of the, of the camps and stuff, you know, why I not? I mean, they could they could throw that on a fight night, make it five rounds. People would watch that. That, that would be an interesting main event. I'd yeah. be surprised if they they had confidence. I was going to say surprised if they had confidence to put that as a main event. Looking at the other stuff they've done, look at the main event. On the main, like I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I mean, I, only being that you know, the main events that are kind of. What I, what I find to not be super compelling are of the higher weight classes. They don't tend to even have main events of the lower weight classes with the guys that aren't, you know, somewhat relevant. So I think that would be a boost up from what we've seen in other fight cards. But yeah, he he's in that wheelhouse. I think a, a win over Marlon, I think, speaks a lot. Um, um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I didn't see it. Sadiq Youssef, you got anything to say about his win over Caceres besides nice job? No, it was it was kind of disappointing. Um, Suderif uh, was just stronger. He was just stronger in every sense of the word. His stand up was stronger. He was physically stronger than Alex. Um, Alex tried to go for some submissions early on, but just couldn't get it together. So it, it was a tough loss for Alex for sure. But Yusef was just 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 the better fighter that night easily. Yeah, um, I just like that Caceres is still around. I mean, he kind of is just like a benchmark now in the UFC. Like he's been at this level mm-hmm. of ability, it seems like for a little bit, for some time. Eventually, it'll fade. But if I, was, I mean, if you if you if you're on your way to making it to top ten at featherweight, you beat Alex Alex Caceres along the way. You're like, okay, this guy's top fifteen. You know what I mean? I don't know because I yeah. actually don't know if Caceres is even ranked anywhere right now. He, he was he was fifteen in this fight. And wow, I think fucking, he had, I nailed you know, that. Kind of had to had to <laughs> scrape to get there, and probably is going to lose it off this loss. But yeah, he's a guy that's. Well-rounded. He has an interesting fight style. I think he's a better grappler than he is striker. And I think in this fight with Yusef, like he got a couple exchanges where he tried to get the back and kind of got it and wasn't able to capitalize on it. And after that, Yusef kind of shut him down. So Bro, yeah, I mean it. that's what we see. Like he he is. I mean, as much as you kind of hate to to place someone in like you know a role or something, he's kind of a gatekeeper. So Bro, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at Yusef, who was 12 going into this. Ahead of him is Barboza, Iggy, Bryce Mitchell, and Giga Chikadze. Fuck me. Got like featherweight gets real iffy real quick <laughs> at the back end of that top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What's a shame is Bruce Leroy had won five in a row. Yeah. yeah. You guys and know I'm a mark. 15. You guys know I'm a mark for Bruce Leroy. Oh, uh, of course. So. Um those are early tough seasons. I mean early for in your MMA fandom, of course. 10, 11, yeah, 12. Yeah. Those are the ones that uh you know the early tough seasons, I think there's a special whatever you for the people back when tough was still a thing we all kind of enjoyed. Everybody's got a couple guys from the seasons they actually enjoyed. Like, I remember that dude. I was you know, whatever happened to Jonathan Brookins? Remember that guy? That guy won that Is one. He... he won oh, the season. Yeah, he was the hippie. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Khalil Roundtree Jr. I like watching this dude fight, Mark. It's always entertaining. And he beat uh fucking Carl Roberson's ass in that second round. Like, I mean, like he said something about his mother. Like he's just kicking him in the ribs. That's the type of fucking like ferocious, like fucking finishing you gotta see out of somebody. That's, I don't, I mean, that's not something you see very often. Like he did like a a, a soccer style kick, but just to the dude's ribs while he was down. Yeah, and he's not the most like I'm not saying Roundtree's gonna be the most exciting. I mean, he's not gonna be champion, or maybe he will one day. The man is let me see how old he is. 32 years old, 10 and 5. He wins two, he loses two. The fights are never boring. And this certainly was pretty exciting too. I don't know. This I mean, maybe this car just kind of came together well, Mark, but I got the impression like this is better than the normal. This is just like not counting the main event. This is better than the usual fucking fight night yeah. cars that are just like I alluded to it a little bit last week. I said this card looked good. You kind of said, you know, there's names on one side. And I was like, well, it's better than we get most of the time. And, and Roundtree was one of those. And, uh, you know, his opponent, uh, Carl Rob Robinson, I didn't know he was like a glory kickboxer. So it was, it was interesting to see this fight after watching Alex Pereira fight earlier on to see like their different styles. Uh, Carl was more of like a counter striker. He didn't mind being backed up against the cage and trying to find that opening to hit on Roundtree. He couldn't find it. He got dropped, I think, with like a, uh, it was like a left hook or a right hook. After a one-two setup, and then, like Mike mentioned, you know, those kicks to the body on the ground are really damaging in in a tool that is rarely utilized in the UFC. You know, you can't kick a down opponent to the head, but there are no rules to the body, and we have seen a few fighters. I remember Rich Franklin when he fought like Edwin Deweese or something when he was in like a turtle position, just stood up and soccer kicked him to the body, and it was like that's a good tactic in round three i guess has done this in a few fights so like he's definitely a dangerous guy you got to watch out for his hands and when you're coming up you know you're not expecting kicks to the body but like dude throws them hard so that was interesting that was a nice wrinkle um okay um by the way it was really nice of uh sean strickland because after the fight Khalil talked about being coming being like a 300 pound teenager and like being suicidal and how this sport helped give him meaning and stuff like that. And it was really nice of uh, Sean Strickland to call that the gayest shit ever. Really, just what a guy. What a guy. Um, just, yeah. That was... Yeah, okay. Um, man, I'm a big T-Rex guy, Mark. Terrence McKinney. Mm -hmm. One, I like the name. Yeah. Two, he's young. There's a lot of fucking potential there. He took a risk. He fought two weeks ago. He came in guns blazing against Drew Dober, who was tough as tough as hell. Drew Dober is not an easy out by any stretch at lightweight. I'm sure because it's lightweight, Drew Dober's probably ranked 22 or something. Still, he almost got got, but uh, Dober's able to turn it around. How much? Uh, how much does the wind? How much of the wind goes out of uh, T Rex's sails on this one? After this one, uh, I mean a, a little bit. I mean, really, at the end of the day. You could easily look at this fight and be like, 
Drew Dober won this one on experience, yeah. um, on knowing how to take a shot and stay in the fight and wait for your opponent to kind of blow themselves out. And that's kind of what I saw in this fight. I mean, uh, for me, I didn't. Terrence wasn't really on my radar, and he jumped on there very quickly in this fight because, yeah, he's an action fighter. He came right at Drew, hurt him, dropped him twice early in the fight, had a hard time finishing him, and then Drew was able to turn it around. And I really accredit that to just having the experience. Drew Dober's been in the UFC for a long time. He's fought a lot of tough guys. And along that journey, you kind of learn, like, never call it quits. You can always turn things around, you know, even though you get hurt early on, you know, if you could survive and hold on, the other guy might, you know, blow his wad and, and, and start making some mistakes because they're overconfidence. The adrenaline, you have to also realize just like boils over when you're getting that hyped for a match. You do that well early on. You have the guy on the ropes and you just can't close the show. And next thing you know, the tables have completely turned. He's on top of you, pounding you out. So, um, yeah, I'm not closing the book on McKenney at all. If anything, this has kind of put him on my radar, but it shows that he's still young and, you know, there are things in his game that he has to learn. And I think, you know, maybe getting overexcited, overexerting himself early on when he's, when he's able to capitalize like he did is a lesson. Hopefully he learns for future fights and can kind of learn to slow it down, pick that yeah, shot it was, to end the show. It was a bit of a quick rise for him. He got to LFA and he was only LFA, LFA being really last pit stop before you get to the UFC and two fucking fights got to the UFC. This was his third UFC fight. So... Would have been three three wins for him if he pulled it off. Twenty seven years old, ton of potential still. One hundred fifty five pounds though is if he's gonna get a title shot, just pencil that in for two thousand twenty seven. The way this weight class works. Um, and finally, um, Alex Pereira, Marcus, the man who famously knocked Izzy Adesanya the fuck out mm-hmm. in kickboxing, went three rounds of Bruno Silva, hard hard fought victory there. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought Alex looked great. Um, Bruno was able to capitalize on some of the weaknesses of Alex's game, mostly his grappling. Um, And and it does look like Alex's ground game has gotten a little better. He was able to work himself back up a couple times. His takedown defense is definitely a weak point and something that Bruno should have been trying to utilize a little bit more. Um, Because on the feet, Alex looked, he looked as seasoned as you would expect someone who fought Izzy and knocked him out like, in the pocket, dude has no qualms throwing punches, throws hard punches. Like he really, he's not just throwing to score, he's throwing to do damage. Good work to the body. Um, overall, you know, it was a good performance, but still showing some shortcomings, right? He's five and one in mixed martial arts. Obviously, the ground game is going to be an issue. And it does seem like he's, it, it definitely showed in this fight. Like, dude's learning how to get up. He knows how to butt scoot up against the cage, work his way back up. It's the takedown defense that seemed a little lacking. It seemed like when Bruno really, you know, went for those takedowns, he was able to score them, had a little bit difficulty, um, you know, keeping him down. But yeah, a good a good performance. You know, Alex still has a ways to go before I think he's going to be, you know, knocking for a championship. But if Izzy's still there and he's able to get some good wins, it might be happening sooner than later. Um, I just wouldn't match him up against like Marvin Vitale because I think that guy, you know, is going to push his shit in all week. Um, but outside of guys that are really good at wrestling, if you just put them up against like him and Whitaker could be potentially interesting. Although I think even Whitaker would notice that like, okay, there's some deficiencies here that he could press upon and get some wins since we've also seen Whitaker do takedowns. I don't think that's Alex's next fight, um, but he looked good. I thought he looked well, good. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's, he got a bit to go here. Um, how old is he? Do we know? 
I mean, I'm sure we can look this up. Yeah, I didn't really catch it on the tail of the tape, but I don't think he's a spring chicken. But I, don't, I, I would say like early 30s, maybe, is, would be my guess. Yeah, I'll I'm see clicking if can... on buttons yeah, and see clicking if we, more buttons. Grab that. Um, from he's the 34. Pre- 34, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not ancient at middleweight, but no, you know, but you want to make, so. make some stuff happen. You're not Anderson Silva, you know, who's 30 now, who's going to be 40 years old and pulling this shit off. Um, fight card started with five straight finishes. Got people real excited. Um, it's what you do when it's a bunch of fights you don't know who the people are. Um, but yeah, uh, performance bonuses for Song Yadong, Khalil Roundtree, Cody Brunid, Brundage, and Azamat Mur uh, Zakhanov, the last two gentlemen, um, getting some of those those uh, finishes I mentioned in the first five fights. UFC is back next week at the Apex again. Um, actually, no, I apologize. They're not. We got a fight mm-hmm. night at the O2 Arena. We're going to yep, make our picks for right. that in a minute here. Um, some MMA news that came out this week, though. Um, the champ, Francis Ngannou, getting that knee surgery. Conveniently out, nine months. His UFC contract is up, nine months. They should try to keep him. Um, they also have nine months to get that worked out. So. Yes, nine months. Um, Look, at he's not going to be hitting the gym for a while. He's going to be bedridden. What better time to throw a contract in front of him, right? I mean, they could. They, he was too scared to put a belt around his waist. You think he's going to get close enough to, you know, he only has one one working leg, I guess, huh? Well, he's he's bedridden. This is if, fairness. If gonna... that, that's why. That's why the UFC has lawyers, Bobby. The lawyers can take the uh, the ass whooping. Fair enough. Um... Yeah, um, I don't even know anything else going on. I mean, I mean, I was gonna say Eagle FC, I guess, qualifies under news. Um, Kevin Lee winning that decision over uh, Diego Sanchez. Um, Kevin Lee taking a early leg kick and saying, I mean, it looked like it landed hard, but Kevin Lee saying he thinks he blew out his knee. I guess we'll see what happened there. But let let me stop you right there, Bobby. This doesn't qualify as news. Kevin Lee at 165 beating Diego Sanchez, the ghost of Diego Sanchez, does not count as news. Okay? Kevin Lee saying after that performance, I don't care if he blew out his knee. He's supposed to knock out Diego Sanchez. Him boasting that he's the best 165er when him and Diego <laughs> Sanchez are the only 165ers in the world, which is well, an a easy claim rich claim. You know, this was a bowl of empty calories. This okay, is not okay. a Michelob Ultra. This is a Corona Extra. Okay, Mike, right? Mike, what about this? I, I got some MMA news for you. You tell me if it qualifies since right, you're, you're you seem know. to be the master of this. What about John Lineker beating Bibiano Fernandez in 1FC for a belt? Is that is that news for you? That is more newsworthy okay. than Kevin Lee beating the cadaver, formerly, formerly known right, Bobby, as Diego Sanchez. You heard it from Mike. I'm hosting the show now because I got the good news. <laughs> so there it is. No, real talk though, man. I'm, Bibiana was a guy you and me talked about for years. Like we yeah. wanted, we, we always we knew that he was like. It's weird that gym with Matt Hume and uh, DJ. Mm-hmm. You only ever right. heard about him. You heard about DJ Demetrius Johnson, Bibiana Fernandez, and uh, what's the big dude? Barnett, Josh Barnett, probably. Bibiana. I wasn't even thinking. Well, I, was, I wasn't even. I wasn't even thinking Barnett. I was gonna say Boach. Oh, that was okay. the other one I was okay. gonna say. Okay. But like, well, I guess Barnett too. But like, uh, everybody's they have like one guy at each fucking weight class. Bibiano um, fought in the UFC, right? No, nah, he never went. Yeah, he was like a dream guy for a while. Yeah, he was the uh, one FC's big guy, one of the big guys they got. I remember too. That was 
I mean, he's what, 42, they said? You said, Marcus, we were talking earlier? He's 41, and I didn't look at his record. I don't know if he has just completely decimated that field or if there's been some wins and losses in there. I mean, mostly when um, I heard Lineker won, I was like, well, I want to see that. You know, John Lineker was definitely one of the UFC assets that, Bob, do you remember, did he go out on a loss or did he just leave? He just kept missing fucking weight, man. He was missing weight a lot. I don't know if he went Um, on a loss, but he just kept fucking missing weight. They had, I think they cut him eventually just because they had enough of this shit. Yeah, but he was a guy that, you know, his weight management issues, as vast as they were, was a big deal. But he was also an exciting guy. Like, that guy just had fun fights, like, because he loves to throw down and throw hard in the pocket. And him and Bibiano... Had a great fight, and he caught Bibiano, and now he's the, uh, you know, 1FC. I want to say it was bantamweight, but I don't know what their weight class is because they, they had another fight that was at 55, and it wasn't lightweight. It yeah, was, like, well, other weight, so I don't they know like they, do the whole no with the same day weigh-in shit, so, like, it's everything's moved mm, up 10 pounds or something. Okay, all right. Um, well, yeah, but it was a good fight, and, and, you know, Lineker's a fun guy, so that's a good... 1FC's time difference is rough in terms of all of them. Like, I don't know, 1FC always just, like... The way it always works out, it's always on like a fucking Thursday, too, or something. What I do want to say about it, what I liked, I'm now subscribed to the YouTube channel because they had that whole event on YouTube like the next day. And I was like, I'll I'll watch a couple fights here. And what I'll also say is, and I know, you know, Steph's not here to to counteract. And and maybe, Bobby, you had some of this. I really miss Michael Chavello. He was one of my best. He was one of my favorite. I like Chavello. I, I think I think. Uh, Stefan wasn't a huge fan because he no, no, no. says like good night Irene. No, no, I, I, I said that little... too. I, I mean, some of his shtick eventually, I was just like, okay, he's just trying to get lines in. It was like um, JR at a certain point with pro wrestling. What, what I like... do like is like this dude's enthusiasm for fighting is like, it's real. Like this dude just loves to watch fights. And I, and I think he's he's better on uh, like kickboxing commentary. He really knows the stand up well. I think when it gets to grappling, he's a little iffy. You know, he doesn't necessarily call that aspect of the fight well but one i think he does a great job just calling the action i think you know especially when it comes to striking like he's doing blow by blow like you could turn off the tv and let's let's watch this fight 1920 style where it's just on the old talkie radio and we're just you know this guy's you know uh, we're imagining the fight happen because he tells it so well but also just like his excitement like and when there's a good fight and i watch a couple of the fights on the one fc card when there's just a good fight he does a good job of getting you excited because what you're seeing is exciting uh i watched i'll have to show it to you bob there's some iranian kickboxer big hefty fat guy he was fighting some other huge hefty uh african-american guy i don't even know where he was from like english or something but it was just it was a lot of meat in the in the uh the cage and even Chavello was like there's a lot of beef in the in the cage going on tonight and that was a great fight and he called it great and Shout i out just kind of miss his enthusiasm you know i think Anik and some of the guys in the UFC. Uh, who was the guy that did it this week, Bob? It was that other like Fitzgerald. Yeah, I like they're good. Yeah, and, and they and those guys have to carry a lot because they're they're cutting to advertising and there's a lot of commercials they have to cut to. But like sometimes I feel like they kind of miss the excitement. Like they're so into getting things not even like right, but just like the flow of the broadcast that they kind of forget. Like we're watching two dudes fight and it's kind of fucking exciting. Yeah. Chavello brings that. He's like. There's two well, I mean, knocking special, each other out. Well, at least with Fitzgerald, I'm like, he's has to do that in front of a crowd of 12 people. That's a little bit rough. <laughs> That's true, too. Maybe, you um, know, it's different not building up. But I just meant- miss Chavello, and I like 1FC. That's Marcus okay. mentioned the beef, Mike. So we just, in all, with all due, good respect, due respect to the man who talked about big meaty men slapping meat as being his favorite style of matchmaking. Let's just give uh, best wishes and uh, to Big E, who got wishes. dumped right on top of his head and broke his neck on Friday night. Oh. Oh, yeah, he, he broke his neck. It was disgusting how, how bad that landing was, Marcus. I'll, 
Also, I'm saying that, and I'm definitely going to send you a link when the podcast is over. Yeah, but he got that's rough. It was a belly-to-belly, you know, one of those overhead ones, suplex, mm-hmm, yeah. and he just went fucking like a pencil, just right into that Man. shit. And his career's been skyrocketing, too. What a, yeah, what a uh, no, um, he feels all of his digits, no surgery needed, he just cracks the oh. vertebrae. Okay. But, like, okay, I mean, cool. I think that's going to come from a man having a giant, muscular fucking <laughs> yeah, upper body. I think, I think what helps him out is the, the mountains of muscle. Yeah, that, that dude being, like, a traps. fucking world-class powerlifting shit he does. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, I don't even know what we were talking about. We were talking about news, I guess. Um, I mentioned meat and everyone yeah, I went on the meat. You, so you mentioned meat and, you know, we, we know what I we're going to get into. Up. We know where we're going with that. Um, God. All right. That Sean Strickland thing really bummed me out. I don't know why I was surprised. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that kind of... Well, he was in, he started calling him Khalil Cancel Culture Roundtree and Khalil Karen Roundtree. And I'm like, if you want to fight him, just ask to fight him. I mean, because he said he lost weight doing MMA. Like, what's wrong? He said he wanted to like, he said he was suicidal and like he had depression and he wants to do, you know, try to do good. He got emotional at the press conference and stuff. And Look, if I was Sean Strickland and had that last fight, and I just watched Khalil Roundtree have the fight I did. I mean, one of these guys looks like a badass these days, and it's not the guy talking about taking a gun to go buy, you know, to pick up his mail. So, anyway. I mean, Bobby, but obviously, obviously, all this namby-pamby shit that Khalil Roundtree is talking about, Sean Strickland knows what he's talking about. Yeah, Dr. Sean Strickland? They're all doctor, huh? <laughs> All that therapist, Sean Strickland, huh? Um, Although, all right. what, where, where I disagree with him is that, I mean... Honestly, oh, wait, wait, there's only it, parts where you disagree with him, Mike? Oh, yeah, just parts. Just <laughs> oh, yeah, parts. okay. Little, little minutia, Bobby, that I need to correct <laughs> the record on when it comes to Mr. Strickland. This isn't Khalil Karen Roundtree. This is Khalil Nancy Roundtree. He's only a girl who talk about his feelings. Mike, who learned all of his acting from watching high school movies in the 80s and how the bullies interacted. <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking Johnny Lawrence-level acting right there, brother. It, is, is Sean, I, I know you want to move on, but is Sean Strickland trying to take like the title from Colby Covington of just like asshole you don't want to see? I think his gimmick is that he's crazy. Part of me thinks this is all Chael's fault, but I don't know. I no, think it's, no, like, no, bl- no. it's like blaming Steph Curry because everybody shoots threes terribly. It's like, just because he did it well doesn't mean the rest of you have to do it terribly. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, no one, no one's been able to skirt that line. Like Chael did. Like they all went to chill. He kept them in line where it's like, you kind of want to hate him, But at the end of the day, like the, like the worst stuff he said was like that bus stuff. And like, even then you're like, well, that was, was pretty funny line, line about the bus. <laughs> what was the line he said about, um, Anderson's wife and cooking a steak. Being he slap her on the ass. And everybody thought that was the, far, that was way too far. <laughs> And like, you know, yeah. and then like th- then Anderson invited into the barbecue after they fought, though. Remember, like that was the thing. And then Chael smiled and laughed and everybody got rich. It was <laughs> it, wonderful. I, I, think, I think part of it was, too. Like, I mean, Chael definitely skirted that line. And, and at times, you know, like like you mentioned, th- those few things were like, OK, maybe that is. I mean, it's Connor's too fault, too, like, if we're blaming people, too. If, if, if do you that. just want to be like you want to just steal pro wrestling one liners and reuse them because the audience doesn't know. Fair enough, whatever. But like at the end of the day, it was like we also kind of knew. Ch- we were all in. We were all in on the joke. We all were in on it. <laughs> yeah, but like some of these other guys, I was like, I don't. I think Colby's. He's too far gone. He's drank the Kool Aid long enough. Where at first he was like, I'm just gonna put it in my mouth and spit it out. And I after mean, a while, he's like, it tastes kind of good, so I swallowed some of it. And I don't. I don't know what's. I mean, like exactly. Anymore. We're talking about. I mean, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, Chael calling himself the bad guy and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, that, that literally was, was doing Scott Hall. Like, 
we all did NWO in the beginning of that. I don't know how you didn't do that. He's he's literally one of the guys that started NWO. That's true. Too That's sweet for brother. life. So we'll Too always sweet. remember the man. For life. But, uh, um, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to mention him another time. Okay. Um, I don't know what else fucking happened. Um, yeah, that was enough. That's enough. All right, let's make some picks, guys. The UFC's going back to London. Uh, that was a half-assed attempt at an accent. UFC ain't been there. hasn't been anywhere over. Have they been anywhere overseas besides Fight Island? It's just a pandemic. Uh, it's hard. I, to, I so. honestly can't remember. I don't know how they would be, but um. Anyway, this one is actually good. It's interesting what happens when you have to actually sell tickets. Um. Alexander Volkov, the number six ranked heavyweight in the world, is taking on Tom Aspinall of Manchester, England. If you're asking, if you're wondering why this was happening where it was. A man who starts off his UFC career with four straight wins, th- all, all bonus, all uh, finishes, three, perf- three performance of the nights, a fucking knockout of Sergei Spivak, a submission over Andre Arlovsky. Beaten Alan Bauba, Baudo and Jake Collier. Less impressive names. Um, 11 and 2 overall. Again, 28 years old. This is a baby at heavyweight. Um, betting odds for this one. We're looking at um, using the UFC's lines this week. Tom Aspinall plus 100. Alexander Volkov minus 120. I think we all underestimate Volkov a lot, personally. Um, he does kind of. You know, win some, lose some here or there. He's, you know, won three of five. Losses to Surreal and Curtis Blades. No shame in that. Wins over Tybura, Overeem, and Walt Harris. 34 and nine overall. Um, I I think the UFC knows what they're doing on some level. That's not true. They don't know what they're doing. Why am I assuming that? It's in London. It's in the, the card's in the UK. He's from the UK. He's from England. I'm going with Aspinall. I'm going to go with the whole marketing plan paying off, especially with the stuff with Volkov may not be able to get into the country. Is it because he's Russian? Is that why? I think there's some sort of visa issue. I mean, I'm assuming is it because of, is it because he's Russian specifically? I'm trying to figure that out, but I'm picking Aspinall. Uh, Mike, you make your pick while I look this up. Um, I'm going to go with Russia getting a win in, uh, in this battle. You got Russia. That's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback because obviously Bobby was looking to get some time to look this up and Mike gave his one word answer. So I love that. No, that's why. <laughs> it's the reason. Okay. I mean, which makes sense. Because of all the sanctions happening. and stuff over that. Okay, but sure. Yeah. Um, it, bearing that he gets there, I'm also going with Alexander. Um, I haven't seen a ton of Tom to have like a super good impression, but I've had an eye on uh, Volkov here for a while since, since fighter, his Bellator man. days when he was an interim champion. And I've always thought he's a very credible, talented, skilled heavyweight, you know, who does tend to lose some fights here and there. So, like, I don't think it's out of the question Tom could pull something off. But just going by paper records, you know, Tom has some decent wins here, but he hasn't had fought in the caliber that we've seen Alex. This is really this is really the do we see this young guys for real or not moment? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's absolutely what this is. And this is a fighter that I think potentially he could win against. You know, Alexander is not invulnerable. We've seen. Better strikers strike him. We've seen harder strikers knock him out. We've seen wrestlers beat him. You know, he's Czech Congo beat him. Uh, Tony Johnson. I mean, you know, it's not like this guy's like the best of the best, but he's beating a lot of top guys. We've seen him fight top competition in the UFC. Was he like 6'8", isn't he? He's a big motherfucker. Yeah. And we've seen him, you know, main event 
paper not pay-per-views but main event cards and you know do well and lose i mean he has a lot of experience where we haven't seen that much of tom so it's going to be a big coming up party for tom if he can get this win that'll definitely put him on the map but i think it's a little bit of a tall order um especially with just how skilled i think alexander is but it should be a fun fight that's going to be a big that's gonna be a hot crowd too man first ufc event that's in true. a very long and, time and, and, and i don't like saying, the, i'm not even saying for the pick just for like our entertainment of watching it that's going to be cool to see like a hot crowd yeah, you know, well, uh, and let's over. see how the rest of the card builds up to it, too, because I think there's some guys that I think are favored to win that could really get that crowd. By the way, going. we didn't mention it, but I know it's early in the year still for our picks, but I think what it's pretty much Mike, you and my, uh, Mike and Mark, you guys are both tied with, like, what are we at there? Muted, buddy. Yeah, you're I'm muted. not sure. Mike, you're muted. That would be incorrect, uh, dear Bobby. Uh-oh. Uh Me and Mark are not tied. Me, Mark, and Chalk are tied. Oh, that's true. That's what I thought. <laughs> Yes, right. Picking chalk is and, one is picking one better than me at the moment. What's the record? And though? You are bringing up the caboose at eleven and five. So eleven and five for me, twelve and four for you guys and people okay. just following betting lines. Still good. Uh, Still good records though. Honestly, we're doing pretty well overall. I can't complain. Not so bad. I'm, am I the only one who's going to go off the fucking reservation here? Mike's just decided to just pick whatever Mark did this year. Is what's going well, on? Well, I mean, I've been picking close to chalk too. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how your Tom pick here does. Yeah, but you we'll know see. what? Mike's just sick of seeing my uh, as I reach for it. And scare my dog, knocking shit off my desk. My championship just, title. <laughs> do you just have that like near you at any given moment? It's just, just by desk. It's just by. What else am I gonna fucking do with it? <laughs> There's really the, no place. It's else a to podcast. It's the only prop. place he needs to flaunt it. Yeah, it's a like, prop for the I, podcast. I feel like you should get you know like a nice you know like wood varnish finish thing and hang that bitch up, man. I mean, it's what? a Velcro title, but sure. Ne- no so, so, so what, what I, are you I, saying? It's not worth it. I mean, first of all, I'm the only one who knows the value of this because one, I'm the only one who's ever won it. Two, I literally paid for it. So that's that's what I'll, we're at. I'll have to ask Bobby's lady next time I see her if, if he walks around the apartment with it when she's around to really boost his ego there. No, no problem. I as mean, long as he has clothes on while, while, while he's doing it. Does fine. the belt count as clothes? <laughs> does the belt count as clothes? Hey, it's a belt. It's doing its job. All it's right. holding something up. Yeah. We don't know what. As, as Captain Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine taught us, if it doesn't go through loops, it is not a belt. It's a cummerbund. I'm really happy Our oh. some, of, some of my employees now listen to this show. It makes me very thrilled. This conversation <laughs> really leads, leads into it. Um, This is going to be – I. this is a good card, man. I'm going to say I mean, this is we're – we're not an adjust some fights card. Um, Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker, co-main event here. Um. Is this the time? I mean, are we are we part of the Arnold Allen's grown up run here? He's twenty eight years old. I feel this motherfucker's been in the UFC forever, but he has this guy really never lost in the UFC. Impressive. Yeah, one, he's only two, got one three, loss, four, and it was outside. Eight straight wins. Beat the guy who won last week, Sadiq Youssef. Beat Nick Lentz. Beat Gil Melendez. Uh, beat up Macwan Armakani in there. Yautzen Meza, Mads Burnell. There's some guys in here, man. 28 years old, fighting out of out of England. Dan Hooker, going back down to 145, right? This is his return to 145 pounds. Uh, I guess uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Has been, at, has been at lightweight for quite some time now, um, for the last five years. Got his ass whooped by Islam Makachev in a minute, in about two minutes. Back in um, Abu Dhabi in October, um, lost three or four. But honestly, those losses are to Makachev, Poirier, and Chandler. What are you gonna fucking do? You know what I'm saying? Um, the betting odds for this one, 
We got Dan Hooker coming in at minus 110. Arnold Analyst mon uh, minus 110. The, the, the odds makers are just flipping a coin for you, folks. Saying, what do you what do you guys know? We don't know anything. Mike, what do you know? Uh, so what I know, what you guys may not know, is Arnold Allen, distant relative to Ethan Allen, the founder of Vermont. Did you guys know that? No, but I, too, know how to use Wikipedia. So if you give me three more minutes, I, too, would have learned that. Uh, it's also bullshit. As okay. It's just <laughs> not true at all. Um, I'm going to go with Dan Hooker in this fight. Marcus? Yeah, this one's tough. Um I was really going to bet against you guys to try to pick some, but like I was thinking you guys might go with Arnold just because Dan's been a little rocky. Um, I mean, I you're wondering, leaning... we're going to just commit entirely to, I'm just going to commit entirely to the fucking UK. We're going to, going to win this shit. Call, I mean, I don't know. Cause like I was, I was thinking no one would pick Dan and I'm comfortable picking Dan. Cause you look at, I'm real comfortable picking Dan too. He's a hell of a fighter. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're top notch um, coming down in weight. Um, but I'll make. I want to make it interesting too, uh, and this is where I lose fight picks because I'm just like, well, I don't want to pick the same person. So I'll, I'll take Arnold, potentially take the L here. Um, I mean, look, the, the guy's been doing great. Um, I think Dan is a somewhat of a step up in competition. I mean, Dan Hooker kind of has been that number one contender, not 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 the number one contender, but the guy that you beat to then become the number one contender. Been that number five now. guys for a number five guy for a while. It seems like yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this I think this is a big step up for Allen in competition. Um, and if Hooker looks good, I mean, God, at forty five, he's going to be huge too because he's pretty big at fifty five. Um, he's six foot tall, baby. You see how I'm talking myself out? I'm gonna go with Arnold Allen because he's going to be in the UK and they're going to be hot for him, Bobby, just like they will for Tom for you in the main <laughs> event. Um, I'm a, I already don't feel great about this pick, so let's move on. You know what? I got my pick, too. God save the queen, baby. I got Arnold Allen also. Oh, I'm riding that. You, if you, you would have went after Mike, I would have been. Like, I know okay. that. I'm well aware. Yeah, but you know right. what? I'm, let's have some fun here, for the love of God. It's a, <laughs> so you, it's you a pick of fight. The kid hasn't lost a fight since hasn't. Tw June 2014. That's true. June did 2014. Guys, Do you know how long ago that fucking was? <laughs> Did you guys also know Ethan Allen was the general in charge of uh, when they took Fort, Fort Ticonderoga? From I would not be friends with the podcast, ver podcast version of Mike. This is what I'm realizing. Mike's okay. giving all these, like, one, incorrect facts about <laughs> No, no, no. That's, that, that's for you. That's no, for well, you. the thing with Allen, but, like, Arnold Allen's an English guy, right? So then, then the first thing you say was like, uh, "Oh, his cousin in, like, in, found Vermont or something." And I was I, like, I don't think it was. I don't think it would have been his cousin because his cousin would be like four, like two hundred years old. And also, uh, everyone who fought against the British in the Revolutionary War weren't they all British at some point? Nah, not point? once you fire that gun, you're a U.S. Hey, there's some baby. Frenchmen in there, baby. There were some Frenchmen in there. Um, you keep disrespecting Lafayette like that. Um. All right, uh, Patty the Baddies back, folks. The man's quest for a Wikipedia page continues. Still doesn't have one. Go back about 200 episodes of this podcast where I was bitching about Justin Gaethje not having a Wikipedia page. Fucking tyrants over there. Um, Patty's coming in, taking on Rodrigo Vargas. Uh, a um, lot of hype behind Patty. We love him. We talk about him all the time. I like that he somehow puts on about 35 to 40 pounds within weeks of his fight not being a uh, fight. Uh, after his fight happening, always makes me laugh. 27 years old, 17 and 3, uh, cage warrior stud. 1 and 0 in the UFC, got a knockout in four minutes. Marcus, he's your dude. I know you're a big fan also. Um, Vargas isn't a bum, 12 and 4 overall, but 
I think we know what's happening here with the booking of this one. So go uh, ahead and make yeah. your pick. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm, oh, I betting gonna... odds. Apologize. Mm-hmm. The betting odds for this one. Patty is coming in at minus 490 to Massive. Vargas's 360. So we know where, yeah. the, where this shit is. I mean, going. I was going to pick Patty pretty much regardless of who was on the other side just because I'm a fan of him. I, I, I think highly of his skill set. Um, he had a decent outing in his debut. It wasn't without some trials and tribulations. You know, it wasn't a flawless victory, but he showed some gut and determination. And I think he's going to get the win here. Like I said, it, it was going to take quite a, an opponent for me not to pick Patty. I don't know much about Vargas, so I'm not, you know, super insanely confident. But that line, you know, tells me a little bit. Um, and he also has the experience here. So, yeah, going with Patty. I hope it's a good showing. I, I think he had a good showing his debut, even though it was a little rocky. Um, you know, he's trying to make fans. He's trying to become a star. So the W's have to come. And then after that, you know, let's see what he does on the mic to try to, you know, garner himself to the uh, fan base. But I, I imagine if he wins, he'll be pretty pumped because that crowd will probably be going nuts for him. So, Mike, who you got here, buddy? I, I'm going with the bull cut. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, we got some news. I wouldn't say breaking. This is just me, uh, our poor research. 13 hours ago, Volkov has landed and is in the UK. So right, no worries there. there. Um, yeah, I got Patty also. We, I've been, we've all, I mean, some of the guys I've heard of, you know, you hear about a guy when he's really a big deal in Cage Warriors sometimes, like a guy like him. Um, kind of like if a guy's really a stud in LFA the way uh, Terrence McKinney was. So it's, I'm, I'm going to ride this for a while. He's also fucking five to one favorite. What are we even doing here? Um, we're picking this next one just because I'm excited to read his name again. Gunnar Nelson's back, folks. Gunnar Nelson has not fought in the UFC since 2019. Wow. Um, I don't know if this man was just injured, riding out a pandemic like a reasonable adult. He's still only 33. I feel we saw this man had to have a long-ass UFC career. Shit, we did. He was there in 2012. Um, went out in the UFC with losses to Leon Edwards, a split, um, and then a loss to Gilbert Burns. These 20, 2019 losses both look even fucking better right now, three, uh, two and a half years later. Um, lost to Ponzinibbio when Ponzinibbio was killing everybody back then, but Gunnar Nelson's one of those guys, man, when everybody was uh, all about uh, Connor's gym, that SBG gym, where we all convinced ourselves they were all going to be really good fighters. Gunnar was the one that's still standing at the end of all that, that people were like, oh, he is a good fighter. Um, he's taking on Takashi Sato. Takashi Sato... Well, originally, he was supposed to be taken on Claudio Silva. Uh, Claudio hurt his knee. So this is a short-notice fight for um, for Takashi. Coming into this one, uh, having fought last in November, 16-4 and four overall with 11 knockouts, fighting uh, at Sanford MMA with Henry Hooft as his coach. Betting odds for a man who hasn't fought in three years, still pretty fucking good, Mark. Minus 400 for Gunner. I'm taking Gunner. Um, I've always liked, I've enjoyed his stand, his style. His like karate style, I guess it is, is really influenced mm-hmm. the way he strikes. Um, I'm I'm in. I got Gunner taking this. I think we're gonna see a successful return because he was just very very naturally gifted. So that's what I got. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Gunner as well. Um, and again, like you said, looking just back at the record, like those names that he lost to at the time were kind of guys somewhat coming up in the division, haven't really fully established themselves, and now we're like have fought for the title or fighting Fucking for the top title. five. <laughs> yeah. So like they, they, in hindsight, definitely looks good. And, and, and Sato, like, you know, he's, he's had an okay run in the UFC so far. He's two and two, but just hasn't fought in that, that caliber of competition and has really shown himself to be that type of fighter. So 
I think a lot of the question marks and the unknowns has come with like, you know, it's been a couple of years since Gunner's been in there. You know, how is he going to, you know, look when he's back in the octagon? I imagine even a little rusty of Gunner will be able to take Sato, um, you know, and that's someone that used to fight in Pancrase and I always got a, you know, soft uh, place in my heart for those guys. But yeah, I don't think he's getting it done here. I think Gunner will, will have a successful uh, re-entry into the UFC. So I'm looking forward to that. Jesus, if he fought in Pancrase, how old is that guy? Well, Pancrase well, is still, still somehow here. Yeah, it's somehow is here. It? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's in, no long, they're no longer doing Pancrase. work fights. Yeah, he, he fought he fought in Pancrase 300. That was like, yeah, a couple years ago. So, oh. yeah. It, Who do you got, old. Mike? You got, you got Gunner or you think he's uh, too, long, too long between fights? No. Um, I think, you know, ring rust is, is a real thing. But if you're a good fighter, you're a good fighter. Um, and you know what? I don't know shit about Sakashi Sato, but I know the mods, and I'm trying to win this year. So I'm not taking any fuck. I'm not going out on any limb for some bullshit. Uh, we're actually picking one more fight. Uh, this prelim card's not bad either. We got Shamil Abdurrahimov versus Sergey Pavlovich, two top team, t- top 15 fighters there. Not the one we're picking. We are picking Nikita Krylov, um, taking on Paul Craig. Paul Craig fights are always entertaining. Right, it just it always fucking is. Betting odds for this one plus one fifty five for Mister Craig, minus one eighty for Nikita Krylov himself. Nikita had a really cool nickname at one point, and he had a really cool fucking uh, picture on a uh, on Share Dog of him with a fucking you know looking like he had his nickname was Al Capone. He was dressed like Al Capone with gloves and a fucking hat and shit. Now he's the miner. Got real fucking uh, boring once a man decided to take his career seriously. Coming off a loss to Magomed Ankalov, um, won two of his last five. Again, lost to Ankalov, lost to Glover, lost to Blachowicz, or Blachowicz. Um, Wins over OSP, Johnny Walker. Paul Craig, on the other hand, just triangling motherfuckers like it's his fucking business. No, um, three straight wins, uh, five fight unbeaten streak. I don't, uh, he has a drawing there to Shogun, but wins over uh, Jamahal Hill. Went over Shogun that time. That guy's name's too long to mention, but he beat that guy too. Um, yeah, Paul Craig coming into this one, 15-4, and four, with a better record than I honestly thought he'd have. And and Paul Craig is the underdog, you said? He is the underdog, Roger. Well, I mean, the overall level of competition is probably higher for Volkov, for, not Volkov, for Krylov. Um, well, Mike, why don't you make your pick? It sounds like you want to go apart with uh, Paul Craig. No, I'm still going to go with uh, Nikita Krylov. Um, oh, this is going to be no fun this year. Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, Krylov is, has shown himself This to man be... bet actual money on a terrible parlay with me last this past week. For this, though, he's like, no, nah, we're going fucking... No, no, no. The money, <laughs> whatever. Money, <laughs> money come, comes and go. go. Money, There's a money... belt on the line now. Exactly. Yeah. Money comes and goes. Velcro belt. You know, I could have that for over a year. And also, I'm I'm tired of losing by... By one match, so I'm being very judicious with uh, when I go out on a limb. So Think it's smart. Just it a reminder for those people it. who aren't regular listeners: Mike, Mar- Mark, two championships; Bobby, two championships; Stefan, not even here anymore, won a championship; Mike, zero, loser. But, however, Fucking Chicago Cubs. <laughs> however, I am the apple in our fans' eyes, so I'm the true winner here. I'll give you that. Sure, sure, you're a likable chap mike i'll give you that yeah because if you ever want to listen to know what's going on in mma and dancing with the stars mike's the fucking guy for you guys don't forget do not forget the bachelor 
Okay. Oh God, he did that too. Um, by the way, all this fucking dancing with the stars news. I mean, can we get the, can we get Mike get his breakdown on fucking Paige Van Zant signing with a wrestling company? Ooh, but I can't give you anything on that. However, I can tell you a little pregnancy news. Shayna Burgers and uh, the dude that played David Silver from Nine Hundred Two and they're expecting a baby. Close TMZ while we're doing this podcast, please. What you talking um, about? That's off the top of the dome, baby. Uh, Mark, who you got? You got Paul Craig. You got Nikita Krylov. What are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, I don't like that line. That line makes me a little nervous because I was expecting like, more of a pick'em, to be honest. Yeah, you know, like you, I'm just a big Paul Craig fan, and I think I can garner some confidence here by just doing some MMA math and being like, Paul Craig wins a lot of his fights by submission. That that triangle on the bottom is beautiful. I love it. And Krylov, you know, hasn't lost a lot of fights, but the fight when he loses most often, it is because of submission. So I can I can draw that parallel there and get my MMA math to overcome the odds that the odd makers are giving. That's giving me a little worrisome because I liked Paul Craig. I thought he there's a lot of fights I saw him in that I was really impressed with his skill set. Um, I think Krylov's going to be a hard out. You know, this is a big strong guy. Um, that's not going to let you push him around, but I just like Paul Craig, so it's hard for me to pick against him. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, to I'm taking Paul Craig here. too. Fuck it, man. I'll, I'll make my mistakes now if I'm making mistakes. I really think though this is they could have flipped that line, and not that I would expect it, but I would be like, mm, okay, that's a little bit much. Like I think this probably was a close. Maybe we're wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very. I thought it was a pick'em personally. <laughs> we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah, so we're picking on this card. Um, UFC at the O2 Arena, which ho- which can hold a lot of fucking people. I can hold 20,000 people. I'm not sure it's going to be, you know, seated as such. And I don't know if the UK has reached America's level of, uh, fuck it, we've won with COVID. Because, um, fuck, I was at a convention with 35,000 people this past weekend. I, I believe they have. I work with a lot of the uh, British counterparts. And they talk about how they're going to the pub and Chelsea games all the time now. Right on. Shout out to Chelsea. Their owner. Fucking, you know, they canceled their credit cards. Fucking Russian oligarch owner, baby. What sounds, oh, really, what, what sounds like it really sucks, though, is that from everything I've heard, he's one like one of the best owners in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of you guys can speak to that. Okay. Right. No, but it's like, like Bob is like, does not that. care. Oligarch, he's out. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. I, I don't like Chelsea, so fuck him. <laughs> Personally, go Arsenal. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan, baby. Um, we don't win. Um, all right. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, but I guess real quickly, since we talked about earlier, Scott Hall, um, Mark mentioned NWO. Um, to put this in terms that put in people army wrestling fans terms, Scott Hall's importance really was, um, Scott Hall was in WWF in the nineties, was one of their big stars, wanted to make more money. They weren't make. They weren't gonna give him more money. The way contracts worked back then with WWF was literally, they guaranteed you five. I think it was like five dates and two hundred and fifty dollars per date, and anything beyond. Yeah, exactly. There was no guaranteed money in wrestling on any level, and that changed when Scott Hall went to WCW. He left WWE, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, in his prime, to go over there and get fucking paid. And then uh, Kevin Nash followed, formerly Diesel, uh, Sean Waltman, Xbox Six followed, Mr. Perfect, Lex Luger was already there, but like this, and then, you know, WWE had to start fucking paying people more, simple as that, um, it was a big change for how the wrestlers get paid, and the way their money worked, and all that stuff, so 
really a pioneer there. But in terms of the craft itself, probably the greatest wrestler that was never world champion, honestly. Um, man knew how to do everything. One of the best working punches you ever see. He was huge too. He was like six foot eight. But he knew he, you know, he'd talk about his uh theory on tag team wrestling because his tag team partner was Kevin Nash, who's seven foot tall. He said, My job's to get beat up, think and feature the big man and tag in the big man. It's what you do. You feature the big man. Great mind for the business. And he really had his personal demons. A lot of stints in and out of rehab, arrested, stuff like that. Um, which the man famous, the man, not people, a lot of people did, no, didn't know this necessarily. Man had a lot, had real PTSD and some of his substance abuse came from the time where he was a bouncer and had to kill a guy who pulled a gun on him. Really messed him up. But uh, Scott really got his life together. I think it was about 10 years ago, eight, maybe maybe five to seven years ago even. Um, Diamond Dallas Page, another wrestler, really made it his life's mission to rehabilitate some of these older broken wrestlers. Um famously did so with Jake the Snake Roberts. I believe there's a doc I know there's a documentary. I believe it's called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake if you want to watch how that went. Did the same for Scott. So and um you know he was having hips so he fell, broke his hip, had three heart attacks on the operating table. And he was on life support and his family, you know, I guess we're told it wasn't going to get any better. It was taken off life support this morning and you know ultimately passed away. So Rest in peace to that legend, man. Just a really, really good wrestler. One of my favorites when I was a kid. Um, this podcast, by the way, I'm giving a heads up now, is going to end with conversation of Batman. So I spent the last four days in Vegas at a convention for work. I got much else to say about the stuff this week. But Mike, what do you got? Well, shit, man. Like, I can't talk about the dumb shit I want to talk about after... We do that now, all the time. Now, now being all sad for Scott Hall, um, but I will, I will give it a shot. For me, it's a rapid fire of a few things. Um, if I didn't talk about Elden Ring last week, uh, that game is pretty awesome, and also a rapid fire of a few days that came up this week. Um, happy Pi Day. Uh, to you and uh, to you and right, Mark. Right. First off, three fourteen, and in two days, happy uh, Austin three sixteen. You know that's always sure. a good one. Give me a hell no- yeah, brother. <laughs> hell yeah! No network knew about uh, happy uh, three sixteen, which made me very sad. Um, and then yesterday we celebrated the greatest day of the year, bar none. And what day is that, my friends? Spring forward. Sunday the 13th. Yeah, yeah spring know. forward. We all lose a fucking <laughs> Daylight hour. Daylight saving. Bro, we all lost an hour of sleep. No, 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 no. You do not think of it as losing an hour of sleep. Bro, you you asleep. Well, what, what you care about it, right? Well, it's supposed to wake up and it's like it's supposed to yeah. be 5 o'clock, Boom. but it's 6 That's o'clock. It. Boom, whatever. <laughs> but what you lose in an hour of sleep, what do you gain? You gain so many beautiful hours of sunlight. So many times when it's 6.45 or 7 p.m. And you look outside your window and it's like, ooh, there's the sun. It's beautiful. And also, daylight saving. It heralds. This is more offensive than whatever stupid shit Mike was going to say after I talked about Scott Hall. This is worse. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Yo, I need you to not interrupt me. 
when I am spitting just beautiful knowledge. All right. All right, Bobby. Okay. You had your you had your goddamn moment and you wanted to be a Debbie Dowder bringing up one of the greatest wrestlers who never won a championship. Okay. R.I.P. Scott Hall. All right. I want to talk about daylight saving. Can you let the man live? All right. I mean, that was a poor choice of words there at the end, buddy. But go ahead. Oh shit. <laughs> uh, yo, Mark, go. <laughs> okay. I'll, 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 to, to piggyback on you, Mike, I will say one thing I appreciated about daylight savings today. And probably not great that Bobby's my pseudo boss, but like you know, at four o'clock, I was like, you know what? If we didn't have daylight savings, it'd be three. I'd still be here for another two hours. So I was like, you know what? I put that mindset in it. You know, a little better. I didn't care Mike, huh? Mike, you feel bad? You stepped it out at the end, didn't you? <laughs> I thought, he, I thought he meant to say, to be honest. I, I don't often feel shame. I feel a lot of shame right now. <laughs> okay, well, I can't pivot. I got um, three things this week that aren't Batman that I consumed over the week that I really enjoyed. Um, first, uh, Taylor Tomlinson is a female comedian. Her special, Look at Me, just came out on Netflix last Tuesday. I really liked it. I think her first Netflix special came out right before the pandemic, and that one... I can't remember what the, what the name of it was called. It was really good. And I've been catching her on YouTube for a while now. She's easily one of my favorite, um, you know, what I would consider to be new comedians, at least to me, like some of them I'm not super familiar with. Uh, really enjoyed her set. Um, over the weekend, I also caught Turning Red. This was the Pixar movie that's on Disney+. Plus. I really enjoyed it. It's been a hot sec since I saw a Pixar movie. Um, I think I missed their last couple. Raya the Last Dragon and uh, Luca. I, I haven't caught those yet. Um, but turning red was really good. And I mean, overall, I mean, I, I like the story. I think a lot of things flowed really well in this movie, um, to make it enjoyable, but I was kind of just at awe with just how good Pixar has gone at animated films, which seems kind of stupid as they're kind of like the gold standard. Um, especially in this film, they would flip between genres quite often while still keeping their like own art style. So they'd have t times like the characters are doing like big anime googly eyes and stuff like that. And, there's a lot of things in this movie just completely worked for me. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. And I recommend you checking it out. I was, I was kind of surprised it was on Disney plus. I thought this would have been a direct to movie theater kind of deal. So um, yeah, check it out while you can. Uh, the last Wait, thing this is, one, it's on one, Disney plus. Mm -hmm. Yep. One quick thing on, on that mark. I haven't seen the movie yet, sure. but a, Oh, I forgot. I had a hair pick in my hair. Um, one uh, thing I've, saw that was pretty hilarious uh i think uh today on, mm -hmm. on that movie was there was a bit of an uproar for some critic who uh didn't like the movie because him as a white man he didn't see himself in the movie which... well i mean not a lot of okay there's some white characters but it is an asian is a female asian story like it is about i mean it's about this girl's coming of age story literally i mean the, the premise is that, you know, when she has come of age now, when she gets emotional, she turns into a red panda, which I mean, not even subtly in the beginning of the movie was just like they thought she was just going through, you know, having her first period. Um, and it's very much about that. It's about her mother and all her sisters who I guess, you know, aunts and aunts and her grandma who apparently all have to deal with this. But like the the time it was set in, which was like the early 2000s, I mean. I wasn't quite in middle school like the character was, but I was in high school. So like a lot of things just clicked on that kind of level, like burning CDs and, you know, girls being obsessed with boy bands, just all kind of fit that narrative. It takes place in Toronto, Canada. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was fantastic. You know, and, and again, I was just kind of blown away with just like how visually interesting 
like shots just like there's shots where they're just in the car and it's just like man like the lighting in this like everything is just and it might just be i haven't seen a pixar movie since onward which i also thought onward was cool but like i don't know i was just kind of amazed with just the artistry and the visuals in this film um outside of the storyline and all that stuff which i also thought was great so um that all being said turning red fantastic on disney plus why not check it out 90 minutes which was a nice adjustment from watching uh, Batman on Saturday where it was three fucking hours long. We'll get into that. The last thing I did want to mention was a new series on HBO Max ca called Our Flag Means Death. This is a new project from uh, Teki Watiti um, and has a lot of his flavoring in there. You know, this is a basically, and I guess what I've been trying to sell people on, it's the manager from uh, Flight of the Concords. I can't remember what his name was in that show. But he was really good, and he's basically has become – he used to be an aristocrat, and now he basically ran away from his former life to become you know, a gentleman pirate, as he comes to call himself. And the hilarity that kind of ensues there. There's lots of you know, um, fish-out-of-water scenarios with him not really – him being – like having the open-mindedness of like someone from today – being back in the 1700s where he's talking about like mental health and oh you need to take a vacation and they're talking about retiring and then no one knows what any of these things are um it's one of these shows that i do find funny i'm not laughing out loud a ton like i watched the first episode and it was kind of even halfway through the first episode i'm still like eh, i don't know if i'm totally into these and the characters and by the end of the first episode i was like you know what i like this cast like i'm not cracking up a lot but like their internal giggles. It was like, that was clever. It's that kind of show where it's like, I'm enjoying it. I'm not laughing out loud a ton, but I'm still thoroughly just kind of enthralled with the characters. What's going to happen. Um, and, and the writing is very fun. So yeah, a couple interesting, you got stand up special, you got a movie, you got a series. What's your one? I got it for you. All right, Mike, you got anything to say? <laughs> I thought those are all very, Excellent uh, stuff we likes and gave a lot of uh, time between uh, my gaff and, uh, you know, Batman. So anything, you know, whenever you want to fuck up, you always just want to bring it up again next time you're on the mic. So let's <laughs> keep that going. <laughs> um, all right. If you didn't see Batman, uh, we want to thank you very much for listening to the show this week. Um, I think there's another UFC fight night card the week after this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we got um, one more before, and then it's a pay-per-view. Yeah, that one's headlined by Curtis Blades and Chris Daukus. Yes, sir. I personally don't think Chris Daukus is big enough to be a heavyweight necessarily, so I don't think that's going to go well for him. Uh, Joanne Wood, formerly Joanne Calderwood, uh, against Alexa Grasso on that one. Askar Askarov versus Kai Kara France. Matt Brown, Barbara... Brian, that's really, all these really happening? Brian yeah, Barbarina versus Matt card. Brown. My man at heavyweight. I don't know why. Elar Latifi, the fucking the man just built like a brick. Take on Alexi Olenek, who is so much bigger than him. So much. Um, God, I'm going to talk myself into uh, Latifi. If I go really well this week and I got a lead, I'm picking Latifi. It's not even a question. Um, all right, we're going to start. Uh, it's going to be very spoiler. It's going to be a lot of spoilers in this, but the movie's been out for 10 days, I think, roughly. So fucking deal okay. with it. And uh, But hey, I mean, let's not be rude. Please join us next week if you're leaving right now. Um, all right, three, two, one. Uh, Batman or the Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Um, first standalone Batman non-animated movie we've had since The Dark Knight Rises, if I'm not mistaken. 
We never got the uh, Affleck alone movie, did we? I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you don't. Count we got Batman, Batman vs Superman. Superman and, and um, that was things that he was in, but yeah, those weren't. So before we get into this, just so you know where we're all coming from, I really enjoyed this movie. I know Mike enjoyed it. I don't think nearly as much as me, based on what we talked about. But I know you had a positive experience. Yeah. Mark, uh, let's say I gave it less for the sake. I mean, for me, this is a top three Batman movie all time. Mike, I think says more more, more middle of the road, probably. You think, or maybe. Pop, the, the, well, one of the good no, ones, not one of the so bad ones. I I had an issue with. I thought at first you said it was a top three superhero movie. Of no, all no, time. top three Batman. My top three oh, Batman yeah. movies okay. are Dark Knight number one, and either this or the Tim Burton original is number two for me. That's me personally. So I don't know where you fall with it. I don't know if you have a ranking like I do. I love Batman. I think about these things. <laughs> I think I would rank it above the Tim Burton movies. Um, just because, I mean, at this point, those movies are made in the eighties and early nineties. I'm a big, I'm a big Keaton guy. I know, but I'm a big Keaton Batman guy. So special place in my heart. Um, Okay. Mark, maybe maybe I'd mark it fourth or fifth. Okay. Mark, where are you at with it? What'd you think of the movie? Yeah, I think fourth or fifth or somewhere in the top three is adequate. Like I enjoyed the film. I definitely had problems with some of it, but overall, like I still liked, and I think like, when I think of these serious Batman movies, it's definitely up there. I do like some of the old campy ones. I kind of like some of that, those Clooney ones. I mean, it, it, and a, a lot of that's nostalgia. Like back in the nineties, you got Arnold Bro, and Jim bad Carrey. Batman. This, yeah, this is my level of Batman fandom. Bad Batman movie is better than no Batman movie. Okay, sure. But I like, will see a Batman time, movie. <laughs> I wasn't as big on the the trilogy with um. Uh, what Batman? Uh, Batman Begins and the third one, which I forgot. Like, those Rises. did not resonate with me very well. This one resonated resonated with me more than that, but I still had some qualms, which we'll get into. But still, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought, are you yeah, telling me hit. you don't like Burn. Uh that I was <laughs> worth it just for all the memes and stuff. Um, all right, we so just as uh, as everybody, anybody listening to this, hopefully has seen the movie. So we all know this is Batman in his second year of being Batman. Mm-hmm. So some people, I don't think, I think some people missed that part when they were explaining yeah. this is like that, where they're like, oh, why is he fucking all mopey Bruce Wayne? It's because he doesn't know how to fucking be Bruce Wayne yet. He wouldn't know what he was doing as Batman. You can tell this was still like early, early fucking Batman in this. Um, for me, I'm just going to give you guys what I thought. I thought this kid was a really good Batman. I thought Robert Pattinson was a really good Batman. thought he was a fine Bruce Wayne, but it was hard to compare him to other Bruce Waynes given how different the character was. Um, I think Paul Dano is an incredible actor and he's good in everything. And he was a, he was so good as Riddler. You got these Batman movies, man, the, the, you think about it, the good ones, it's all based on how good the bad guy was. You know what I mean? Those ones that people think are great. You're talking about fucking Heath Ledger. You're talking about Nicholson. It's nice that we're not talking about just the Joker necessarily. I thought he was great. I thought that Zoe Kravitz was a really wonderful Catwoman. Was it? Um, wasn't Paul Dano Klitz from Girl, Girl Next, Door. Next Door? Yeah, that's a real fucking specific reference that I know <laughs> you and me recognize because that's a great movie for to me and you. But most people probably remember him from uh, A Little Miss Sunshine. He was Twelve Years a Slave. He was also in um, what was the one? The Paul Thomas. Uh, what was the one with the um, the oil and uh, Daniel Day Lewis? There will be blood. He was in that too. He's been in that actual movies oh shit he's he's got nominations this is a hell of an actor man yeah this dude's got like two or three oscar nominations um i thought they just it was cast real well i thought it was a little long honestly three hours is 
I always complain about the length of movies, personally, because I really don't think any story is so important that you need to make me sit there for three fucking hours. Um, I would, I mean, I think you could have trimmed it up a little bit. I liked how real it felt. I thought the whole thing, I mean, short of a man dressed in a bat costume. The general pen premise was believable to me. The whole thing. Everything seemed very grounded in reality. I think that's why how much I enjoyed uh, The Dark Knight. The stuff that was happening, I guess, on some level was really just grounded in reality. I mean, I, I there was comparisons also you can make between that the Joker in Dark Knight and the Riddler in this movie. Just influencing, influenced by the public and the people supporting him and stuff. And um, there was, and I think John Turturro, who played Carmine Falcone, is a name not a lot of people know. But he's just a guy who's good at everything. Um, he's a really good character actor. Um, he's like the funny agent in those Transformer movies. He's in a bunch of Sandler movies. He worked in the pizza shop, famously, in uh, Do the Right Thing. Um, I think, I mean, I honestly, I think Transformers might be what he's most, most known for. But he was he was the guy, he was the butler in Mr. Deeds. You know, talk about how mm -hmm. sneaky he was. Um, I think he was really good in This is Falcone. I like the story. I like Falcone as a character. You know, I don't think he gets talked a lot about in these movies. The mob, the mob part of it. A lot of times these movies really focus just on like the car, the cartoony villains, you know, and like talking about the mob end of it, I always enjoy, you know, the Falcones and, you know, the, what's the other one that he, um, not Falcone, the other one. I was already met some. Tony Zuko, Zuko. No, what was, no, what was the other one? Um, Carmine Falcone and uh, uh, something Maroney. Yeah, Maroney. I always mix that part, that part up. I like that part. Um, I'm excited. You know what? I came out of this really excited for the next movies. Um, I like that we're going to get another trilogy. Batman's my favorite character in comic books. Wait, so are we, I'm, it, we're getting a trilogy? They're saying movies? a trilogy. People are talking about Hush. People are talking about fucking Calendar Man. People are talking... Uh, what else are there? They were they were, they're making some really fucking like... They kind of want to do what Marvel's doing, man. Let's get into these fucking books. I wonder how they're going to do Hush, because that one's going to be a bit of a stretch to do, I think, because at least in the comics, Hush is a dude that literally changed his uh, his yeah. face to look like Bruce Wayne's. Um, Court of Owls. I want Court of Owls. Personally. Ooh, that would be nice. That's what I want. I want Court of Owls. That's How what I want. However, I don't know how you adapt Court of Owls without Robin being there, because Dick Grayson is such an I integral think, part. I think we're going to get Robin. I think that's why. I think we're going to get a Robin, personally. But anyway, um, I, that's just my opinion of it. Marcus, what'd you think? Those are the things I liked, and you know, yeah, I mean, overall, I I did enjoy the film quite a lot. Um, I liked how it was shot. Uh, I liked a lot. I really liked a lot of the fight scenes. I like kind of the direction Hollywood is going in these fight scenes, where it's finally like, show us the action. You know, let's get long. Let's let's get wide shots and show me this dude kicking ass. Because I think so many, you know, other older, you know, early '90s or not early 2000. Sometimes the action scene, especially with Batman, would be like, oh, you know, let's put him in a dark area because he works from the shadows. And it's like, I can't really tell what's happening. You know, I want to see the action. I want to see the hits. Um, I think it did a great job in that. I think, you know, the land, just a lot of the shots I thought were visually interesting. Again, you know, like the wide shots of Gotham, even though, you know, a lot of times it did just look, look like Manhattan, New York or whatever. Um, those aspects of the film I really did like. There were a couple scenes that I thought dragged on too long, like way too long. Um, 
And, you know, as someone that is kind of, you know, a big Marvel fan, and I know these movies are going for something completely different, but for me, like Marvel just kills it in a scene where it's just dialogue. Cause it's like, you know what? We need to punch this up. You got to add jokes, you know, and, and, and Batman is not really a jokey thing that a lot of the, a lot of the scenarios going on, it'd be hard to push in jokes, but ultimately what I'm left with is like a 12 minute scene with him and Alfred on his little bed, you know, giving me exposition, which is important to the story, but I'm ultimately just kind of zoning out because it is this, these two guys talking about like how his dad was going to be mayor and this thing happened with a publish. And then you know, since we're getting into spoilers, that whole thing, and I'm not really, I hate to take this like stance on it. Cause like, I'm usually not that guy that's like, Oh, like I can usually thread the needle of motive, but it does seem really weird. Cause f- f- from my understanding, and I'm not a huge Batman fan, like his parents being good people is kind of the crux of why he becomes a superhero and has to protect, you know, the unjust because and, and everything that I've always heard of with his dad is like, his dad was just a fucking great guy. He's this billionaire who's doing everything in his power to help the city. So to have this story be like, well, he was running for mayor and he kind of got his hands dirty with the mafia to silence this journalist, but he didn't want to kill it. And like that stuff just made me like, okay, now you're kind of throwing in flux his parents or his dad, who's kind of like this person that got victimized that he has basically based his whole kind of, you know, identity around Kind of just like, and again, like I wasn't sitting in the theater like, well, fuck this. This makes no fucking sense. But like after the fact, I was kind of thinking, like, well, that's kind of weird. You know, one, I, I kind of liked how they didn't have to talk about why he became Batman. We just jumped right in. And and, and like you guys, I'm sure like a lot oh, of viewers were so not all fucking stoked about I, I that, that part. Like they early on in the movie, they, they pretty clearly say like, like he's doing his internal model. Like I've been doing this for two years. So it's like, we don't have to go over the his origin stories. Cause we've done that enough. And I feel like with a lot of superhero movies, especially because of what Marvel's done with Spider-Man, it's like, we don't need to always do an origin story. There are characters that no one knows jack shit about. And you have to, you can't do Shang Chi and just pretend like we're all going to know who the fuck he is. Cause we don't. Um, but with characters like Batman and Superman, like we get it. Like we've had enough movies. There's enough media out there. We kind of know what their origin stories are. So I was glad that they got away from that. And then disappointed that they did bring it back to the parents and then they kind of has that has that not happened in the books? I don't know. I don't know if I've well, read that's the one. Thing is, I don't know. Like I, this, I haven't it, read that book. I read Batman Year One. Was be, there a Batman yeah, Year Two book? Be I don't know. Comic authentic. Nobody. Nobody got. Were people angry about that? I think I didn't see anybody I mean, complaining. I, don't know. I, I, I did assume. not. I didn't look, look at any other post things. It was just personal yeah. thing. It was just like oh, like his parents always being good people always made sense to me. Like they were taken away from him. But now it's like well, now it's muddled. Like your dad wasn't that good of a guy. He got you know mixed up with the mafia. And that potentially was the reason why he got clapped, right? Potentially. So, I mean, that that part stuck a little weird. And then it also, and maybe you guys could fill in some of the holes I have because maybe I missed something. It seemed a little weird. The Riddler's mad because his dad was going to implement a policy to help out the orphanage he was in, or he started the orphanage, but then once he died, it cracked out. I didn't get the motivation of, I mean, he kept saying like, the son has to pay for the sins of the father, but it's like, does that really make sense? Like Bruce Wayne was like, how old when his dad got clapped? Was he I, really- I think a lot of this, a lot of this was a real eat the rich and fuck this rich kid thing going on here. I think that was part of it too. Yeah. Um, which, and I guess that that part was like, okay, like that, that that's, you have to, you know, I, I think a lot of times in superhero movies, 
it's more interesting when the alter egos personalities are also butting up against the villains. Spider-Man I, I, does I it thought, all the time. <laughs> I thought a lot of what he was doing was like the character he'd become did when he was talking about the online stuff and a bunch of people like rooting for him to like do these oh. things. I think and, that kind of, I kind of just kind of assumed maybe rightly or wrongly that he had become that type of person himself that like his own sadness and loneliness he had blamed on other stuff. And he was going to make that, you know, he'd found his targets. And they're the sure. reasons he was the way he was. Yeah. That well, might be I, me drawing more into it, though. That's the thing. I don't know. And you did bring up a good point. What I really did like about the film is that they modernized it really well. Like, I thought it was good that people have camera phones. When Batman's fighting some dude on the street, someone's going to be like, yeah, uh, uh, was it Rockstar? Not Rockstar. Worldstar? Or, I mean, no one said that. That'd be too breaking. Oh, but somebody like, should have fucking said Worldstar. That would have been great. <laughs> that, I, I think that's too much humor that I don't think DC's really like in tune with, but like the social media stuff and him, you know, galvanizing a crowd and being like, you know, get your rifles ready. Like, I mean, maybe speaks too much truth to what's happening right now in our world. But I thought that was a really, and the stuff where he's like posting videos online and getting that kind of like online backing, I thought was really interesting way to modernize kind of Batman, you know, and, and what it would be like to, to be the Cape crusader in this time where people, everyone does have a cell phone, you know, and that's part of it. Um, but yeah, overall, like, I don't want to be super negative on it, but I thought he, I, like you said, I thought Patterson did a fantastic job and I thought he was going to in the trailers. I was like, he looks, he looks the part, like maybe he's not as like big and as ripped as everyone else or whatever. But like when he's going out there and kicking ass, like I'm buying it. Like he looks like a dude who's fucking kicking ass and you know, he's getting his hits too. Um, so it's not like, you know, he's some impervious guy, which I think is a part of the Batman appeal. Like dude has to get hit a few times. I'm excited for the rise of Penguin. Now that you know, because yeah, he was more I thought low level. Um, that was Colin, right? Colin. Hey, Colin. You wouldn't have known that was fucking Colin. Yeah, Carol, and we didn't did. Tell you. I remember when uh, the credits rolled and we were like, oh, shit, it was Penguin. Um, I mean, but I would have to say, like, halfway through, I started getting some of these mobster bosses when they said, like, oh, Fioni. I was like, which fucking guy was this? Yeah, again? Falcone, like, Maroni. I, 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 I agree with you in the extent, like, it's kind of cool that it's not always a caped bad guy and at the same time i was like fuck if it was two-faced they could have said like oh two-faced did this i'm like oh i know who exactly that is but i was like falcone and the mucciani's i was like gabagool i don't know which guy i'm supposed to be mad <laughs> the gabagool was strong in that one <laughs> but uh, but yeah i i mean i definitely had like i said I have did you like did you like catwoman did you think she was a good catwoman i, think she, I thought she was great i thought she i was thought fantastic. so too I can, mike i'm like i want to get your opinion but can you also take a shit on everybody complaining about People complaining about woke Batman because Catwoman made one line about white privilege and all the Republicans got angry. I don't even remember that line about what she's like, what she's talking about Mm -hmm. when she even she she didn't like she was like, oh, you know, the the white privilege. I think she was talking about Bruce Wayne, too, possibly. Um, Yeah, she had some line. She had a throwaway line about Bruce Wayne when I was like in the movie theater. I'm just like. Oh, right. people are gonna be angry about that, right? And then I went home and I looked online. I'm like, oh, people are angry about that. What? what where is these coming from? New York Post, New York Post, Fox News. Okay, yeah, those are the right people who are angry yeah, well, about it. <laughs> what, what, what aren't they angry about? Well, look, I'm just gonna say the things that I enjoyed about the movie. Oh, nice. and to a question you asked earlier, Mark. So I think the <clears> reason why the Riddler was so against um thomas wayne was not so much because he was trying to open you know that children's fund or whatever the fuck that thing was right. called the ph- philanthropic thing mm-hmm. i think it was a combination of he found out about the mob connections that thomas wayne had 
So he equates everything else Thomas Wayne was trying to do as disingenuous. Okay. I think that's I think that that's makes, the okay. angle. Yeah. I feel I feel and, and again, like I did feel like I just missed something in the movie because what it sounded like was he was going to open the orphanages that was going to help the Riddler, and then he died and it fell apart. And I was like, Well, that's not his fault he died. <laughs> like like if someone but, has a policy that I'm like I'm on board and then they die and it falls apart. It's like, well, I didn't expect it to, to how, follow through but, his death. And that might've been but, a disconnect. But also think of it this way, Mark. Um, sometimes your motivations come out of an emotional and not irrational uh, place. And sure. just imagine if you're a kid, the, the age of the Riddler, and you think that your world is going to get a lot better. And to you at that age, something happens and that gets taken away from you. For better, for worse, rightly or wrongly, the this is the person this, who's responsible is Thomas Wayne. Mike, with the more nuanced approach of my, you're blaming this guy, people, for all of your life's problems, basically. And, and, yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll play at, uh, devil's advocate because I think these are all fine reasons. And again, like it wasn't, it took, it didn't take me completely out of the experience. I was just like, I don't get like the guy that was going to help you, but also it's like. <laughs> Fuck Bruce Wayne. I don't care if both of his parents got capped. I gotta kill him too. Yo, like, real quick, that scene where they were when he was when he saw him in jail, when you think mm -hmm. he knows, when they, when oh, uh, Riddler yeah. just says Bruce Wayne, and you're like, oh, this motherfucker knows, and then he's like, I almost got him. We can go get. Well, he was like, he wants Batman to go get Bruce Wayne, and you're like, oh, he doesn't know. But the way he says Bruce Wayne, and Batman immediately looks at the camera that's recording, you mm -hmm. know, Batman's just like, fuck. How does he know? Like, it's kind yeah. of like how does he know? <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Mike. Go on, please. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, the thing I really enjoyed about this movie is that, um, and rhetorical question, what was the name of the original Batman comic? Detective Comics, I think. Detective yeah. Comics. I and the that. thing I loved the most about this movie was that this was – kind of a murder mystery uh -huh. um batman was a detective in this movie he actually I love that shit. he actually had to use his wits actually had to use his intelligence had to look for actual clues some of them were a little on the nose but um this is the movie where batman had to use his detective skills that he's most renowned for in the dc universe the most um i thought that was the best part of this movie i yeah. I, I think that's interesting too because i on one hand, I agree. And again, like I, I want to watch it again because maybe in clearer eyes, um, I'd have a different perspective. But what I kind of felt what I okay, one thing I thought was cool was, yeah, he's at the crime scene. He's analyzing. And this is a double edged sword issue I had where he knew all the answers instantly. Right. Like, like, like they'd open the Batman card and be like, oh, here's this clue. And he'd be like, yeah, that means that like it was almost like without a beat, like he knew, which on one hand, it's like I expect Batman to know because he is super smart and intelligent. But it also kind of took away that audience participation where I never had to really be like, what does that mean? Because it was like two seconds later, Batman just told you what it was. And it was like, we're moving on to the next scene. And again, maybe that wasn't all the case. But that's just like, I felt a couple times where they were getting to like, he'd open a card and, and read the clue. And then Batman would know. And at first I was like, you know, that's cool. He should know. He's fucking smart. He's, you know, he's just ahead of the game that Riddler is. He's an equal to Riddler, right? Like he can figure this stuff out just as quickly as he can. But as an audience member, I was almost waiting for some of those like die hard with the vengeance where it's like, 
okay, they got these bottles and we got to move liquid. How how are we going to do this? And there was no part where I felt as like an audience I needed to try to figure this out, which again, like I'm kind of glad for. Like I'm not, I'm not going to the theater to try to fit, fiddle out Riddler's riddles. But at the same time, it was just like, Batman just fucking knew. Like, it was almost like, I got to wait for the cops to, you know, shut up. Dude, I was, I was pretty happy that I, I was pretty happy with like a lot of the riddles. I'm like, oh, I got that one. I got that one. Other one, I was like, oh, I don't got that one. Like, if it was nice that he gave it to us. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, mean, I might not have been in the mindset where I was even thinking of like solving them. And I didn't need to because Batman was right there. He's like, don't worry, Mark. I got you covered. By I'm the way, shout out to this going. director. I'm, I didn't know. This was the guy who made the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. Oh, those, those are, are good flicks, man. The guy knows how to man knows how to shoot an action flick yeah i love the detect i i remember i was talking to mike after i saw it i was like man i'm because like my favorite characters are like batman sherlock holmes and shit like that i'm all about the fucking detective stuff and even dark knight which is my favorite batman movie he's not really trying to just figure stuff out he's just kind of just reacting to a crazy motherfucker in that one like he's just very reactive in that one compared to you know this one um but yeah I'm excited for where they're going to go. I think you guys, it sounds like you guys are too. I mean, it's nice to see DC gets a lot of shit for their movies, rightfully so many times. I do think they get, at this point, I think Marvel gets a bit more of a longer leash, which they've earned, and DC, of course, not. Um, but this was this was well done, man. Uh, really good movie. Killed it at the box office. You Pretty universal acclaim. Oh, yeah, people didn't like that Catwoman was bisexual. That was another thing that made the Republicans angry. Which I didn't really even pick up on that. Was well, she, did she, she was have dating a relationship with that? She was okay. dating the chick, yeah. I know uh, they were roommates. I didn't really put that they were romantically inclined, but that doesn't that's not a far stretch. You know, she cared yeah. a lot about it. I how about, buy that. How about Catwoman in one of the most useless masks ever? Like, yeah, yeah, we can all see exactly who you are. Fair point. Um Andy Circus is in this movie just as Alfred. Let's just put Andy Serkis in this flick. I like when you get these super... I know that superhero movies are so... Like, well... I mean, well, no well-regarded as much as they make money. They make so much money that, like... You just... Every role is taken by, like, a real actor. Like, Jeffrey Wright was playing Commissioner Gordon and did fuck all. Like, what did Commissioner Gordon really do in that movie? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He was... I mean, he, like, he, he, he had his back, but a lot of it was just, like, him standing there looking stern. Like <laughs> that's that's what Commissioner Gordon does. Bro. I was gonna say that's kind of Gordon. What do you think? <laughs> Commissioner Gordon never does anything. I'm looking for the Harley Quinn cartoon version of Commissioner Gordon. That's what I want. A Just drunk pathetic out. man. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want yeah. to be friends with Batman. Yeah. All criticism aside, though, yeah, but I'm with you. Like, I'm interested to see where they go with this. Um, it is tough because of what Marvel has done. Like, I always kind of want to see more of the universe kind of mingle, right, and make it seem like. There is a DC universe. Like this is the same place where there is a, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Um, Batman movies haven't needed that, right? I mean, for the vast majority of them, they're completely void of the rest of the, the DC universe, as it will. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know where they're going to go. And I think if they do pick up on some of these other storylines that are less known but are interesting. Like, I've heard of Court, Court of Owl, Owls a lot. And I know the next, like, Arkham or Batman game is supposed to have to do with that. So I'm kind of interested to see some of those storylines I'm not familiar with. Um, and you said like Calendar Man, like if there's some like villains that we're not familiar with and they can have an interesting story, I think that's kind of captivating hey man, too. You, you got to do that, man. You got Marvel over there making stars out of a Guardians of the Galaxy. They literally, that was literally the Marvel heat check. 
We're like, we're just going to do a fucking movie about a bunch of characters none of you ever fucking heard of. Yeah. But you know what? We all saw a tree monster with a raccoon shooting a machine gun while sitting on it. And we all said, yeah, I'm going to see that. So, yeah, I thought Matt Reeves did a great job. Um, yeah. I don't know how connected all these DC movies are going forward, but. Yeah. And, and, Whatever. and then, like, even though I kind of like it, it doesn't have to be. I think you can have. But more. I mean, is this connected to Suicide Squad on some level? I mean, because yeah, Suicide I don't Squad think there is any mention is, of any other. Well, because Suicide Squad was. is connected to uh, on some level the Flash and um, Aquaman through oh, the Peacemaker. I was going to say, yeah, oh, through Peacemaker, we know that. Right, yeah. 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 yeah, so like, I mean, that's still some level. I mean, I don't know. But this movie was void of that, right? I mean, yeah, I didn't catch the... anything with like the other, and it didn't need to be. Did they mention I mean, anything about anybody? I was trying to remember. Came out. Like it was, it was a three-hour movie, and I do remember a couple scenes where, especially like the ending, there was a really long goodbye, and then they eventually take their own motorcycles away, and it was like, oh, the Batman and Catwoman <laughs> scene, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's at the yeah, that was the one where she like... said the white privilege thing, and I'm like, man, you threw that into a scene we didn't even need. Yeah. I didn't need that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think Mike this was this could have trimmed. Mike up, was this but. the most uh, New York any Batman any go, go, any movie has been with Gotham? Hmm. I think I think one of the I think one of the campy ones did blow up like the statue of the Gotham Statue of Liberty or something was that or like Gotham and build the state building or something. Yeah, yeah. but that was also one of the that was Batman Forever where that it really started stupid. the campy ones where it's yeah. like you know there's buildings that are just straight up like I mean, just statues and shit. Yeah, but like Gotham um, Square built Gotham Square Garden. I was like, oh well, fuck. Like, okay. This this, this <laughs> felt like a very New York uh, version of Gotham. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that was it, man. Um. I wish Stefan would have joined us. He loved it. And maybe he wants yeah. to come. If Stefan wants to come on and talk about it some more, I'm okay with that too. Because sure. him and him, him and I were having like a real serious conversation about it. Yeah, like, I. He loved it. I didn't talk to him about it because I was like, we'll yeah, talk about it on the, yeah, on the podcast. And that's honestly know, my bad because we forgot to ask him until like. Yeah, I, I knew he ago. was hot on it and I wasn't quite as hot. So I definitely want to get his take. But yeah, maybe we'll get him on the show next week or something. Yeah. Um, all right. Next week, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, this pretty loaded out uh, card in England. See the results. Yeah. Talk about some of the fights for next week. Um, I'm going to tell you what I want to watch. I'm going to watch this uh, Lakers TV show. Uh, the one about the lake, the eighties Lakers. That's on HBO right, Max. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know how many. I think it came out. I hope I'm not talking out my ass here. It's coming out uh, soon, if not, because I'm seeing a lot. Of I really, I've seen enough stuff about it. Now I feel bad if it didn't come out yet. Um, but I really thought it. Uh, it already came out. It has two episodes. March sixth, it came out. Well, fuck me, it's the fourteenth. It's somewhere. So HBO Max, do your thing. Yeah, that's what I hopefully will be reviewing next week because I'm or at least the first couple episodes. Sounds good. Till then. I was Dr. I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. Mm-hmm. And that was Lavender Gooms. And I'll leave you with a quote from uh, Scott Hall, which is why I was dragging that out. Hard times, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys too. So, nice. peace out, everybody. Uh, see y'all next week. Ooh.